Hello and welcome to the Harvard Center for International Development's weekly podcast. Billions of dollars in cash payments are made daily in emerging and developing economies, including payment of salaries, social welfare, and business transactions. The problem with these cash payments is their lack of transparency, accountability, and security. Thanks to technology and connectivity, more people than ever now have access to mobile phones, the internet, and cloud-based solutions. How can this digital revolution help us reach the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals more quickly? Tidhar Vald, Head of Government Relations and Public Policy at the Better Than Cash Alliance with the United Nations, explains how countries can begin to move away from cash. For the nearly 2 billion people excluded from the formal financial sector, the digitization of payments can open the door to a range of affordable financial services to help them save safely, seize economic opportunities, and reduce their vulnerability. Today on CID's Speaker Series podcast, Jason Keane, Master's in Public Administration and International Development student at the Harvard Kennedy School, interviews Tadar Vald, who provides further insight on how this vision of digitization can only be realized if it is carried out responsibly and responsively to people's needs. Thanks, Tidhar, for being with us today. You started your presentation by stating that cash is a problem. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Of course. So cash per se is not the problem. There are problems with cash. Cash is anonymous. Cash is difficult to trace. It's difficult to handle. And it's expensive. And when I say that, I mean, everyone likes to have cash in their hand. But when you think about it, most people, particularly in the U.S., but in many other advanced economies, they don't pay the rent in cash. They don't pay their school fees in cash. They don't get their salary in cash. They do it all digitally via a bank account. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that people in developing and emerging economies have the same access to non-cash means, meaning that they are able to be paid digitally, that they are being able to pay their utility bills digitally, get a salary digitally, pay their school fees for their children in a digital means. And that's because otherwise they have to spend a lot of time running around, standing in line to pay their electricity bill in cash. Or they have to maybe stand at the end of every month or every week in the factory somewhere in Bangladesh, for instance, and wait to get their salary again in cash. And that's inefficient. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. And also it opens a wide door for corruption, particularly when we're talking about government payments. Yeah. You've kind of talked about four main challenges with cash, right? It's expensive, inefficient, unsecure, untraceable. They're all sort of related, but which of those four do you think is kind of the biggest issue? And what do you think is sort of the most debilitating for achieving the sort of sustainable development goals that we think that digitization can achieve? For me, the worst problem with cash right now, it's exclusive. It prevents people from being included in the economy. It prevents them from having access to a whole range of services, whether it's having a safe place to store their money and then they need to put it under their mattress in their house, or whether it means they cannot have access to basic credit or maybe have insurance. And as long as you live a life that is only based on cash, you're excluded from all of those benefits. And so my problem with cash, it's that it's making people excluded. And then can you just maybe elaborate on some of the other benefits of digitization, right? So once a consumer migrates to a digital payment system, how does their individual behavior change? How does the ecosystem around them change? 
So being at the UN, we work a lot, of course, with governments. And what we see that the major benefit for governments, it's the major cost saving. So one good example is the government of India. They've started providing government payments. So that could be pensions or social benefits or maybe uh, some kind of a gas subsidy or other types of subsidies. And now they're channeling them through digital payments. And they've been able to save accumulative over $13 billion in just the past five years, and this number is going up every day. And that's because, it's again, it's more efficient, it's more secured, but it also means that they don't have to deal with ghost recipients, so it's people who are not supposed to get that money and you know got the money in not the most uh, legitimate ways, or with officials that are skimming off the top. And by moving from cash to digital, then the government is saving a lot of money. But it's also, you asked me about consumer, it's better for people because they don't have to stand in line, as I mentioned before, maybe take a bus, maybe go into a cash distribution station and stand there in line for five hours or take a bus there, but they actually just get the payments in their convenience of their house. Can you tell us maybe about one specific digitization program that's worked especially well? and sort of what you saw there. So there are many, many good examples from Kenya to Peru to Tanzania, of course. I think India is one country that is really, really interesting because of the scale. I remember being at at an intergovernmental meeting when the Indian government just started its account opening program. And the person said, well, we've been uh, doing this for four weeks and we just opened 23 million bank accounts. And the person from Australia looked at him and said, you want to tell me you just banked the entire population of Australia in four weeks? So in India, you know, the scale is incredible. And they've opened 300 million accounts in the last three years. They've provided 99% of the population. And the population of India is 1.2 billion people. And they've provided 99% of them with a digital ID. And if you couple it with the fact that there are 1 billion mobile phones, then the potential for change is mind-blowing. And you see that. You have now dozens of millions of people who have access to insurance for the first time in generations. Not their parents, their grandparents. No one had insurance there. And now, thanks to the digitization, they have that. And the numbers are just mind-blowing, whether it's the cost-saving or the convenience or the fact that people are getting access for the first time to a, a safe place to store their value or to insurance or to a loan, etc. Can you tell us what some of the biggest obstacles are right. to digitization, right? And, and sort of whether they're physical impediments or it's more psychological, what do you think are kind of the biggest constraints that are holding countries back from pursuing digitization more aggressively? So there are multiple, of course. Uh, part of it, it's the issue of infrastructure. Part of it is just lack of political will. And this is why we are working on putting this on the agenda, working to advocate for the benefits of digitization of payments, working with governments and corporates and, and NGOs and others. Part of it is simply inadequate regulation, for instance, because it's hard to keep up with the pace of innovation and technology as a regulator or as a government. And part of it is capabilities and people capacity. And I was giving an example at the talk we just did of how women who are employees of a a bag manufacturing company in the U.S. were now being paid instead of cash, they were being paid digitally through their mobile phones, but they were still not used to that. And so they were checking their balance every day. And in the end of the month, they were being charged for checking their balance so much. And so that digitization failed because women were, those women were worse off. And so one of the things we're working on as a, you know, a UN-based partnership is to make sure that all digitization is done responsibly 
but also responsively, so meaning in response to clients' needs and capabilities. And that's really, really important for digitization to happen well, is for it to work for people. Right. And so I guess there's an issue with the cost that someone might have to incur for accessing their bank account or to be able mm -hmm. to withdraw money. But then there's also, in some countries, some users might be concerned that this is formalizing their work and then they might be able to be taxed on it. Can you talk a little bit about that constraint? Because I think that's especially critical in development, right? Yeah, of course. So part of the sustainable development goals agenda is trying to help countries get their own resources. Domestic resource mobilization is the UN jargon for that. And definitely digitization is one area where governments can keep or retain more money in state coffers. And of course, for that to happen well, it needs to be designed in ways that are making, again, merchant life not worse, but better. And there are lots of countries who are trying to right now crack that nut and understand how do you digitize and how are you able to tax in a way that is being followed by actors in the economy. And then you talked a lot about women having access, right? Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting point. And I just kind of want to give you the space to sort of elaborate on why it's so critical that women have the ability to sort of access digital payments and the digitization, talk about that kind of gender dynamic a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the potential is great there. And if you think about there are some cases in a, you know, a country like Pakistan, which is a Muslim country, and, and maybe other contexts were more traditional where women have to, in order to get to a bank account, they would have to be accompanied or get a permission from a husband or a brother or a father. And if you can transact digitally, from your own house without needing to leave the house, that creates an opportunity for you to have access to services that you did not have before. We also are seeing in cases from Kenya to Rwanda to India that when women have their own bank accounts, that has immediate impact on the whole household. The household begins to invest more money in education, more money in health, and more money in benefits for the children because when women manage finances for the household, that has immediate positive impact on the whole of the household. And so the facility or the easiness with opening uh, bank accounts via using digital means today for women has a direct link to helping families lift themselves out of poverty. And it was interesting because you told this one story about the women you're saying another time that you have people that are constantly checking their bank accounts, right? Mm. And that might be one of the issues, certainly not the biggest issue, but mm. there does seem to be this lack of faith that money in an account that you see on your phone or on your screen is not the same thing as actually having physical cash mm. that are bills that have the faces of famous politicians, et cetera. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how we perceive money, yeah. right? And how that might need to change in order for digitization and all of its benefits to actually come to fruition. It's true that for digitization to happen, it has to meet people's needs. And whether it's via mobile money or other types of solutions, if it's not written in a local language, because we know places from Nigeria to India to Ghana, there are lots of local languages. And if the Pacific platform or the specific solution is not designed or written in a language that people understand, if there is no transparency on how much money you actually have in your account and you don't know how much you transact, if there are no recourse mechanism, meaning if you send the money to the wrong person, can you immediately get it back? Uh, like people in the U.S., they can, you know, if you, if someone used your card, you can immediately call Visa or MasterCard and say, can I, can you cancel yeah. my 
And we want to make sure that people in Tanzania or Uganda or India or Peru have the same benefits as people using modern or advanced digital payments in advanced economies. And that's really, really important that the client, the citizen, the user are in the middle of this. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This My pleasure. Fascinating talk. And yeah, thanks again. Thank you for the questions. If you want to learn more about CID's research and events, please visit cid.harvard.edu. See you next week.